Hello, and welcome to episode 243 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a non-spoiler review for the Dune movie in theaters October 22nd, 2021, and also on HBO Max. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there, let the spice flow. <laughs> so Noah, uh, let's kind of do what we do normally when we're doing a comics review. Let's do sort of our initial sort of general thoughts before we do the uh, the deep dive. Actually, not deep dive. I guess maybe we'll classify this one as a, as a, a medium-sized dive, because since it hasn't been in theaters or on HBO Max, we don't want to go too in-depth. Yeah, shallow dive into Dune. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what we'll be doing here. Yeah, I... Uh, I think um, I've been a lot of people have been asking me today what I thought about it because I posted about it on social media that we were going to the preview screening. And I think what I've come to with my like consensus on this is that I just thought it was really stunning overall, like uh, on a visual level, on a story level, on an acting level, as far as like what you want from a theatrical experience this movie gives you. And, uh, yeah, like it's it, it's it's going to be one of those movies I'll remember seeing in theaters. Um, so uh, that's those are my thoughts. But what about yours? Yeah, it was definitely what I expected as as far as like being visually stunning. Um, you know, just sort of a, a you know a pleasure to to watch. Um, and I thought one thing that was interesting, and I think this will maybe lead into our next um, our next sort of discussion point is that like. Um, for me, being so familiar with the source material and watching that trailer, and I guess sort of initially, we kind of thought we were going to have it maybe last year-ish, but then sort of moved back because of the state of the world. So it's sort of like you've been seeing images of it. You've, you've had plenty of time to watch that trailer. Um, I was just along for sort of the ride, but I also knew, like, I felt like I knew, like, beat for beat what was going to happen which was not a bad thing but it I, I just wonder what the experience is going to be for somebody who um might not be as familiar with the with the source material yeah i was i've been talking to a lot of people about that today too because um i'm gonna go take one of my friends to go see it and he's not familiar with doing it all he just wants to see it because it looks cool so i guess i'll get to find out what he thinks of it mm -hmm. based on that fact but last night it was really interesting because once we got out of the theater, you, you had to go run to the bathroom really quick. And I waited there just over by when people were coming out. So I was hearing all the input people were giving to the theater attendants, sort of taking surveys as people were coming out about their general opinions on the film. Okay. And it was really interesting to hear the different people. Like there were a lot of people in the camp with me who were like, love it. You know, great movie. Uh, a couple of people were coming out and were just like, I didn't know what was going on like you know with with things like it was really confusing and uh it didn't like you know or, or people also who came out being like we didn't know that this was only going to be part one of a larger story like this isn't a complete story uh so i've been telling people today like if you're going to go with people let them know this isn't a very like you know it's 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 not hard to follow but there are parts that will be hard to follow in the storyline and there are, and it is only part one of a larger story. So that's the thing that I think was really, that's what I got out of the screening last night as far as like being around an audience. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a, any trouble understanding it because I'm not as familiar with Dune as you are, but I do know about Dune. Mm -hmm. 
but I also am familiar with this um, with Denis Villeneuve as a mm-hmm. filmmaker. Like I love all of his American films that he's done. I haven't seen any of his French uh, Canadian films, but I was very like I got like um, I was very used to his sort of like uh, I don't know how to just like just to sort of distill his style into one word, but like his sort of nonlinear storytelling. Um, is very similar to how he told things in like Blade Runner 2049 and in Arrival. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of getting like, I was like, okay, I understand what this means with certain parts of it. So it wasn't that confusing for me. And then also having a base knowledge of what the story of Dune is helped going in. But yeah, I would be curious to know. I'm, I'm curious to go with people and watch it or show it to people on HBO Max and see what they think of it. If they're able to follow it, if they're, you know, uh, I guess the nice part about it is that, like, the broad scope of the story is sort of what's hard to understand from this film. But the story, as it progresses as a plot, beat by beat, isn't very hard to understand, I guess, right? It's like, it's, it's very straightforward, you know, hero's journey. Yeah. Um, all right. So to circle back on a couple of things you're saying about when you heard the the input being given to the theater attendant, um so i wonder if you know if those people had walked in late because it clearly says part one like on the the title yeah and then one thing that i was thinking about um that they did and this is because it's it's a different medium but one thing we always preach about in 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 comics is the show don't tell but there was a lot of tell in this movie there was a lot of mission briefings there was a lot of conference table um planning sessions there was a lot of you know bringing of organizations together to discuss um what they wanted like so I, i the whole time again i knew sort of plot by plot beat by beat like what we were doing but uh, for so i i and i don't want to disparage anybody but i'm just wondering how much those people were paying attention like were, yeah like, i mean it was a preview so you couldn't pull out your phone you couldn't be distract, distracted and i you know maybe if you were at home and you were watching it on hbo max you might you know have the phone out but for me it was like every time we went to a new location we, we got almost got like a mission brief um that was done in clever ways it was like you know these two characters meeting they have to discuss out you know logistics of this this move so you know sort of everybody's position everybody's motives in a way um so that that i find that to to be a strange um commentary on on the movie because i and then i was another part of me was like man they do they get away with tell 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 and and yeah. in this where it's like you know if this was a comic book and it was just eight pages of Leto sitting at the conference table <laughs> being like we're going out to this spice harvester and we're going to do this instead of you know showing them flying to the space harvest people would have been like this writer's terrible it's tell 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 he's not showing me anything but it's it's two different ways of of storytelling and you have to use what you have yeah, like I, I think the movie does a really good job of introducing us to this world and the the sort of how things work on where it starts off on um, on Caledon and then into Arrakis. They do a very good job of describing every aspect of life that we as an audience may not be familiar with in this world. Uh, yeah, so but I so yeah, like that that sort of was something where I was sort of like 
huh, when I heard people say that it was confusing. But I think it also comes down to like, if you're going in expecting this to sort of be like a like bare bones, like escapist fantasy, mm-hmm. you may not get what you want. It, it, it sort of is like a, it's somewhere in between something like uh, Force Awakens and Blade Runner 2049. It's not really either one of those. Like it doesn't really fit into the camp of either one, but it's not going to hold your hand like Force Awakens does where it's like, you know, uh, well, Force Awakens does a good job of not holding your hands, but, you know, not having to worry about too much description about things for you to understand and have fun. But it's also not going to be Blade Runner 2049 where it's, like, not explaining anything. It just is, like, you know, drops you in the middle of this complex world and you're, like, you figure it out. Um, and uh, I think that people who aren't used to watching or consuming sort of, like, this this movie sort of fits into the high fantasy uh, and science fiction genre. If people aren't used to consuming that, that it might be a little hard for them to follow because it is sort of like alien, you know, in nature. Yeah. So while you were while you were giving that sort of description of it, I was thinking like uh, almost like an analogy of like if you took it to a fantasy, like you could have a you could have a fantasy project like like a Conan the Barbarian, which is pretty much straightforward, like point A to point B hero with obstacles in his way to get there where this is fantasy that you could equate to like a, a game of Thrones. It's a game of house yeah. it's intrigue. It's, you know, storylines, it's, it's backstabbing, it's, it's political, you know, maturations to, to get what you want. So I think if that's the way I kind of, I think about it to take a sci- science fiction movie with a lot of fantasy elements and sort of compare it to, to that genre. It's very, very games of game of Thrones. Yeah, I agree completely. I thought the one thing I was thinking about while I was watching it actually on a cinematic perspective was Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember watching that at a pretty young age and not being able to follow all the political aspects of that movie. Like I got, I was, I was able to follow the gist of it, but it's sort of a movie that as I become an adult, I understand more because of all the political aspects of it. This movie feels like a, it's approaching Dune as if it's a, a historical epic like Lawrence of Arabia. Like it seems to be shot through that view of things, which I love personally that it, it sort of harkens back to like why I love like the Lord of the Rings trilogy by Peter Jackson. It's like, it, it feels like the filmmakers are approaching it like it's history more than they are trying to like take you like have you escape to another world or something like that. And like you said, I think Game of Thrones is also a really good analogy because that's sort of the approach to that show as well, where it's like, this is a historical epic before it's like a fantasy show, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and we also, you know, this is non-spoilery, but I think for anybody um, thinking about it, you could also boil it down to uh, a story of, uh, of greed um, mm-hmm. and, and, and control. Um, but then you could also take it up a number of levels, uh, which the, which the movie does. Um, does. Yeah. So we hit on this a little bit earlier, um, but let's talk about sort of other um, other times that the, the story of Dune has been told. You had said that you haven't um, experienced the books. I have done the audiobook twice, um, and I've seen the 1984 movie finally after many failed attempts. Um, you've seen the 1984 movie. Um, there's not a lot of variation in 
I mean, they, there is a little bit, but pretty much it's, you know, both of those are pretty faithful to, to the, to the book, which is, which is interesting. Um, what are yeah. your, what are your sort of, I guess, your general thoughts on the 1984 movie, and then we'll get back to the 2021 movie. I love the 1984 movie just because um, I think maybe, I don't know if I talked about it with you, but, but like Harlan Ellison sort of had a quote about it where he talked about like why he loved the movie. And it was basically because it was like a book that should have never been filmed. Right. You know, and like in a director who was like so unproven in that genre that it was like, how was he going to direct this? And then like, you know, just had everything going against it, but somehow it still got made and it doesn't completely suck. Like, I think that's sort of what, and it's, it's ambitious beyond like words. Like I remember watching and being like, holy crap, like there's a lot on the screen at all times in this movie. And uh, I, I really love it for that fact. I mean, like I wouldn't put it up there with something like Blade Runner as far as like really good sci-fi fantasy from the 80s. But I would put it up there with sort of like my, like I, I sort of have a thing for like less popular 70s 80s sci-fi films like star trek the motion picture and black hole and, and things like that you know where it's like no one is like a huge huge fan of it like but it's like there is sort of like that cult following uh so i love the 84 film and i've i've i've, I've listened to some of the audiobook and um I've, i i just sort of in my youtube viewings of things on literature and storytelling dune comes up a lot as far mm -hmm. as like you know, dissecting what it's about as a book is what it what it gave to culture, you know, what it gave to science fiction and fantasy as far as storytelling and world building goes. Um, but the, yeah, like it's it's sort of hard to escape being a nerd, being a geek, not knowing a lot about Dune in some way or another, you know. Yeah, I recently um, finally completed a watch of the 1984 movie. I had a bunch of failed missteps, um, and it, which is strange because I love science fiction and I love David Lynch, but I yeah. there were so many times I got tripped up on um, sort of the, uh, when they first got to Arrakis and sort of the that setup, but eventually once you get past that and you get to more of the, the, the action, pack part of it. it 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 flows a little bit better and then um there's a couple of parts at the actually there's a at the the very beginning is very lynchy and with uh with the guild navigator showing up and then sort of towards the end it's 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 lynchy and again um but i i have a, a new appreciation for it. it it took a while for me to get there but i i, I did so all right so, it does make you wonder what return of the jedi would have looked like if david lynch had directed it yeah. I, I i i do wonder about that <laughs> yeah cool so uh back to to the most recent version um you know we have about a two and a half hour runtime for for part one um what do, what do you think about that runtime do you think that that's uh extreme the the right amount um uh, or do you do you do you think uh for the for the normal I don't want to, you know, put that in like quotes or, or something, but like, um, you know, somebody who loves like, or somebody maybe who's somebody who's conditioned to like go to a movie theater and be out in about like 90 minutes, 120 minutes. Like, what do you think about the, the, the runtime here? I, it didn't bother me that much, but I can see it. Well, okay. So like it's, it didn't bother me overall. So I'll preface it with that. 
but there are scenes that I was like, especially there's a section of the movie that mostly takes place in the desert. And I feel like a lot of that could have been trimmed down to sort of get certain characters from point A to point B a little faster. Uh, it does feel, it does sort of feel like it falls into uh, a lot of walking in the movie. And some of that is really great because you get to sort of take in the world. So it's sort of like, like, I don't, it doesn't bother me too much because I like spending time in the world. It's kind of like I was with Lord of the Rings where it's like, there's a lot of lot walking in the trilogy of the films, but I don't mind because I like spending time in the world. And I don't mind walking through it. So I will say that there are parts that I feel like could be shorter, but I don't think it ruined my viewing experience overall. Uh, I, I never felt bored watching it. I was always intrigued by what was happening. So what about you? What do you think? Is it too long? Uh, no, I, I don't think it's too long, uh, personally, for, for myself as somebody who, much like you, was just sort of enthralled and, and looking at the, the, the scenery or sort of the, the fantastical elements about it. But I wonder, like, you know, simply I'm thinking about, like, all the times they got off, like, a spaceship, and it was sort of like the... The, the extended slow motion walk, like if that was like 12 seconds as opposed to like, you know, a 30 second walk. I mean, you you could have trimmed stuff like that to, to get the runtime down and still told the story, but um, I, I enjoyed it because then it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to go over here in the corner of the screen and look at like all of the, the soldiers over here drilling and, and stuff like that. Or, you know, this, you know, mechanical piece of equipment over here um, but I mean, that would have, I wonder if there was discussions about that at the studio to like, hey, you know, do we need to pull out and stay on these characters walking out of the spaceship for, you know, 35 seconds to, to 40 seconds or, or, or what? Yeah, exactly. Like it is. Um, and I think part of that lends to. Again, like it's sort of, again, like going back to like the Lawrence of Arabia thing, because like a lot of that movie sort of spent like pulling back and watching people do like walk or ride camels or whatever it is or go places. So like it does like that, that doesn't bother me too much, but it does make you wonder how much of it uh, was them being like, we need to sell the scale of this world. Mm -hmm. So we're going to hold on these people walking down these massive corridors just to show you that like this world is like lived in it's real and that sort of sells the believability of it again it's kind of like a historical epic in that way too because it's like when you're doing historical epics of anything like you want to be able to like show that this these people inhabit this world and you want to spend i don't know and that's yeah i don't i don't i think i think it has to do with the approach of just selling the world is like uh so you can get kind of bored at times like walking through things you know um it's not like i said it's not force awakens where uh you kind of lose maybe the scale of things sometimes because there's so much like visual shorthand and stuff like that just to be like get you the bare bones of information and move on i'm using force awakens as sort of like a example of a basic blockbuster you know that mm -hmm. kind of thing where it's like you know it's tight it's compressed we use visual shorthand to keep the narrative moving to tell you a complete story and all that this is very much so going for like this uh, pretentious term of verisimilitude, right? It's like, there's a commitment here to some kind of truth in this story. And I think maybe the slowness is sort of their way of trying to commit to that. So yeah, that's, 
love that's that's but that's the things like i love that but i know people who hate that like they're just like just give me a sci-fi fantasy film in two hours and let me leave you know that kind of thing it's like you don't have to prove to me that it's real or lived in or whatever it is i just want to watch a movie that's entertaining and be done yeah yeah um i so again like while you were talking about that you know one of the things we talk about is like you know when we do like a comic book review and we'll talk about like you know we might read like a daredevil comic where it's like I can get into this and I can get out of it really quick. It's going to be 20 pages of Matt Murdock jumping off of a building, you know, meeting up with a foe and then moving on. But then if you read a book like Rorschach, it's like, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to think about this and then go, Oh, this relates to that. So it's sort of, again, it's like where Rorschach is a comic for people who are really in the comics. This might be a, a movie, a sci-fi movie for people who are really, into sci-fi i don't know if that's like a good analogy or what but yeah and i think there's definitely something attractive there to a larger audience just because of how good this movie looks all the time and then it also stars good looking people like the mm -hmm. entire time so there is something for everybody in this film that will make it a draw and it will introduce people to like who love movies just into going and seeing this movie and I think it'll give someone a unique theater experience, no matter whether you like it or you don't like it. I think it's a very memorable film, but it is something where, yeah, I agree completely where it's like, it's, uh, I, I love, and I keep sounding like I'm knocking something like Force Awakens. I love that movie. I saw it a lot in theaters and stuff like that. And I rewatch it and everything. So it's just fun. It's easy to watch. Um, so, but this movie is something where it's like, yeah, you have to commit to paying attention to this. So, I guess if anyone's listening and thinking about watching it and if you decide to watch it at home, like just take it in, you know, like on your first viewing, at least, you know, it's really, it, it's a movie that sort of begs you to do that. It's not a, uh, it's not a movie that's like a casual watch. Which, uh, which of the star Wars movies was it where we found out that Poe Dameron was a, a spice smuggler? Cause that's, that's our crossover right there. Right? Yeah. 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 He's a, and he, uh, and it's funny is that um, that was in Rise of Skywalker. Okay. And then I was going to one, I, I had to stop myself last night in the movie theater from leaning over and telling you when Leto said I wanted to be a pilot or whatever it is. And I was like, oh, there's another one. That kind of thing. Like, it's like, it's like there's our Poe Dameron crossover. Poe Dameron eventually settled down and uh, sired an heir with the Benny Jesuit woman and ruled House Atreides. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also the, I believe it's Empire, where they hide in the, the asteroid and they come out of the, 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 the hole and the space sandworm light goes to get yeah. them. And, it's, and, you know, it, uh, Lucas's love for, for Dune is, is well known. So, and I, I just watched a movie, or you may have seen it. I watched Phantasm for the first time uh, last week. And that movie has a, uh, a blatant, um, dune ripoff scene with uh the little kid goes into this like um fortune tellers uh shop and they make him put his hand in a, in a box oh where like his pain like they like they even say some like fear is the mind killer in that movie too so uh dune is everywhere man it's like it's it's really it's it's in star wars it's in phantasm obviously but um nathan my brother he recently listened to the audiobook I'm going back to Game of Thrones, but 
he sort of pointed out a lot of similarities between Game of Thrones and Dune when he was reading it too. So it's like, it's a, it may seem very familiar to a lot of people when they go into it and be like, okay. And if they don't know it's an old book, that might be a little off-putting because they're like, well, this just feels like they're taking from a lot of different things, you know? There's yeah. Beetlejuice also references Dune and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's finish up here with uh, how they, and we're not going to really get into it, but it was an interesting decision point uh, where they ended part one. Um, mm-hmm. Without going into sort of detail, what do you think about the decision to to sort of end part one where they where they did i think it was a good decision and actually it definitely has uh the movie feels like it's not complete you know obviously but it's sort of in the way that like fellowship of the ring doesn't feel complete but you can watch fellowship of the ring and there is like a thematic through line to the whole film where characters need to get from point a to point b so by the time it ended i felt like the movie was getting towards a conclusion it wasn't like it just ends abruptly you know there is a conclusion to paul's arc in this film at the end of this movie which i really liked and i was afraid that it was just going to be like back to the future part two and just be like yeah yeah that kind of thing but actually no that's not a fair i like back to the future part two and i think that movie has a good ending um I'm, tr- I'm trying to find like a movie that does just sort of ends and then like nothing happens. It's sort of hard to think one. So like saying that the ending is abrupt, saying that it's incomplete may make it sound like it's, it's not a satisfying ending, but it really is a satisfying ending from where the movie has been sort of pushing Paul to be at by the end of the film. So I like the ending. Uh, what about you? what do you think? Yeah, I, I think what you brought up about the uh, Fellowship of the Ring is is a very good uh, sort of way to think about it. I mean, one of the the benefits of the Fellowship of the Ring was that we knew that we were getting three of those. I guess there's still some question as to this one, which would be interesting if we don't. Um, but that's a really good way because, like in Fellowship of the Ring, there was the the epic battle. Um, Bromir had done some stuff. Some characters were going this way. Other characters. I didn't give. I didn't give spoilers for for Lord of the Rings. Oh shit! But, but, uh, I'm, <laughs> so I'm I'm give. You know, Bromir didn't uh, do the greatest through. Yes, uh, we did. Fellowship, show show Fellowship of the Ring, but you spoiler know, for Rise of Skywalker too. I guess. Yeah. Yes, but characters oh. split off. But there is definitely a, an an ending sort of conflict. Uh, you know, point of the in the movie. Um, where and then this one Paul makes a uh, there's there's something that he has to do that makes him sort of have a shift in sort of what he's capable of and and, and stuff like that so there's definitely uh, an end point or a conclusion point there so um, I thought I thought that it was interesting Um, I'm holding out confidence that there's going to be a two that this movie has enough hype and, you know, star power into it that, that they, they should want to do, do another one. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, I can't imagine that there won't be a two. I think there's been a lot put into this film and, um, even if it's say like underperforms, I think it would still beg a sequel just because of all the following. And I could see this being a movie that, uh, People may not catch it in the theaters. People may not catch it on HBO, but maybe when it hits on demand or rental, 
pick up popularity and I could see it being a, but it's already made a lot of money overseas. That's another thing too. I checked the gross last night and I think the budget for it, reported budget is 156 million. It's already made 129 million overseas oh, wow. and we're just getting to the, so I think there's a good chance of it getting a sequel based on that. So uh, I'll leave it off with just, if you are capable of going to, to a theater safely, go see it. If not, watch it at home, put your phone away, turn off the lights, enjoy Dune. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, so let's do a, uh, a rating, uh, one to 10, one being not good, 10 being uh, the best. What would, uh, what would you rate it as? Um, I'd give it, uh, like my initial reaction is 10 out of 10. I really loved it, but I think with time, it'll probably go down to a nine out of 10. So I think that's fair. It wasn't like a movie I thought was absolutely perfect. So I think, I think a nine out of 10 is fitting for me, but what about you? Yeah, I, 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 I really like it. I'm, I'm sort of in between an eight and a nine. Um, I don't, I didn't, I didn't say that we give out half points, but I'm going to do it eight and a half. Um, not a perfect movie, but, um, uh, you know, pretty close. Um, and for yeah. somebody who, who really enjoys the, uh, the source material, um, they didn't do any disservices to it. You know, we could think of like the travesty of, uh, last days of American crime. That was something that we, oh God, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm changing my rating to Dune now to 10 out of 10. Thanks for reminding me that there are way worse films out there. You're right. Something yeah. that we something that we held the uh, the source material of in, in high regard and then was was terribly uh, adapted. This is this is not that that's not the case here. Yeah, nope, it isn't. It's a good it's a very good movie. It is awesome. And I'm I'm holding out hopes for for um a second. I think I've heard rumors of a possible third. I don't know if they would go okay. to Dune Messiah um there because it I I feel like they if they do what I think they would do in the second half of a movie, they would pretty much cover everything from the first book. So I wonder if they would go into some of the uh the other stuff. Yeah, you'd have to invent a lot of intriguing stuff if you went into Dune Messiah. Um but yeah. Cool. yeah. So awesome. So that's going to do it for our review. Um, I would encourage anybody um, as Noah did to, to go out and check this movie out, especially if you're a, a fan of the podcast and stuff that we talk about. Uh, we, we both think you'll enjoy it. All right. So thanks to everybody for listening. Um, if you could check out these show notes, I'm going to have a pre-link page for future tales of sci-fi that is launching on November 1st of 2021. Um, Noah and I have a story in that, uh, that anthology, um, space anthology. So it fits with, with Dune here. Um, so yeah, I think our, our story is very Dune-like, isn't it? Yeah. There are, yeah, there are sort of uh, space harvesters and rare minerals that are- um, Two houses. Yeah, warring on the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so check that out. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter. That's at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe. Please be nice to each other, and make sure the spice flows. Thank you. <laughs>